Welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Hello and welcome to the Carl Reader Show. Now today we have got part of a mini-series and this mini-series is based on a conversation that myself and David Holland had. Now those of you that know Dave will know that he's my personal coach and we've been friends and associates for a long time. Now we had a chat for our podcast but you know what this chat ended up being over three hours. So we've extracted the very best bits and carved them up into a mini-series so that you can take away bite-sized information as if you are a fly on the wall of this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Please do subscribe and leave a review if you do. And I can't wait to speak to you again in series two. Now, what we're going to do, Dave, is we're going to talk about public speaking. Oh. Because I think that is um, something we're both experienced in. Yes. <laughs> and it's intrinsically linked to confidence. It's yeah. intrinsically linked to speaking to people, to communication skills and so on. Um, but also it's something that I feel that I can have a lot more input into than I did on the last episode, which um, which was about networking skills, because networking's come easy to me. Yes. And, you know, I've never been on networking training. I, I couldn't imagine what would go on in a networking training course. Surely you, you do networking before the training course when you meet the attendees. It's yeah, I, I don't get it. Yeah. However, um, public speaking for me was something where, you know, I think I'm okay at it now. I get booked so and I get rebooked. Yeah. So that's, that's a fairly go. good sign. Good indication. Um, however, when I first did public speaking, I found it really difficult. Um, my first ever talk was with, it was actually hosted by a mutual friend of mine and Dave's, a guy called Gellard. Mm -hmm. And he invited me along to speak to a room full of martial artists. Mm -hmm. Um, which would be quite intimidating for most people, I imagine. <laughs> a scary audience if you're not careful. However, I had the time of my life. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was flowing. It was, you know, it was bad. I, was, I, I knew my subject inside out. Um, I didn't particularly know my slides, but it didn't matter because I'm fairly confident I can just stand up and talk. Yeah. But I did that for two hours. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, I think Gerard allowed 20 minutes. <laughs> so it was really good for me, but I'm not so sure about everyone else. Yeah. Um, but then my, my second um, speaking slot, I fell apart on stage. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I don't believe it was fully noticed by everyone. Mm -hmm. However, I had the um, dry mouth at the start, yep. which I don't seem to get anymore. Mm -hmm. But um, certainly in the early days, I'd have the dry mouth. And because it was the first one I'd done with a microphone, yeah. so, oh my God, I can hear, I can hear this. Exactly. Like, I can hear yourself. As even worse, I can hear it? myself yeah. and I can hear how dry I am and where's my water and oh my God, can they see that I'm, I'm worrying? And, you know, I, I, fortunately I rode it out after about a minute or so, but it felt, within that minute, it felt like I'd died for, for 10 minutes. Horrible, absolutely. It yeah. is. Um, now I've been really fortunate that, again, speaking something that's come relatively natural. I've got some tips that I'd like to share, but... But for you, Dave, tell us a bit about your speaking journey, and then we'll, we'll go on to some tips. Okay, gosh, I remember, I remember my first uh, proper speaking gig. This probably happens to a lot of people, I think. I was running a, uh, a manufacturing company in Southampton back in the middle of the last century, and the Society of Environmental Engineers, SEE, up in London, we just got ISO 9001, and they said, could we put a speaker together to do a, a two-hour presentation on how we got ISO 9001 to all these engineers. And so my director said, yeah, of course we can do that. And he looked at me in the meeting and said, right, Dave, you're up. That was it. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh, my God. And so I put preparation into it. And I did the, the two hours, absolutely petrified. 
and I, I got away with it, and, and as most people probably do on the first one or two that they do, but when I had the, the feedback from the audience that was good and encouraging, the one thing that they said was, you kept us interested by telling stories. Okay. And I thought, okay, great. Now, I didn't know any different at the time. No, no. And I was just telling stories. And from there, um, I found I refined my craft a little mm. bit. I've got to the point, I love being on stage. Even as an introvert, I love being on stage, providing I've done the, the, the preparation, I can visualize it, I can see it, I know what I'm going to say, and I've done that sort of thing. When I get on stage, after the first couple of minutes, it was the tough part. When it gets into flow, I love it. And since then, I've, I did a counter, because I thought you might ask this question. I've been on stage now in 32 countries. Wow. 32 countries. Wow. Including Scotland and Wales. Anyway, sure. They, they can't. They can't. Um, but I've been, I've been fortunate all over the world, done talks and presentations. And, the, the, and my learning is the audiences are the same. They want to be educated a bit, um, taught a bit. But entertained. Yes. They want to have a bit of fun, a but bit also of engagement. On, on the entertainment point, I think that it's um, worth mentioning, but I think there is some difference in audience reactions. Mm -hmm. So Americans, for example, are fantastic <laughs> to speak to. You they're feel, great. You feel like you're on top of the world because they're whooping and standing. Yeah, they clap. You know, they, really, they really get into it. Absolutely. Um, you speak to a room full of English accountants. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know what? Um, I, I'm actually not talking about my team here. I'm talking about no, the no. industry in general. So I deliver a lot of talks for the accounting industry, um, just of how we've done what we've done, and we, without blowing our own trumpet, we we are pretty much up there. Mm -hmm. So I will deliver a talk, and it could be the most groundbreaking talk for them. They'll come up and tell me afterwards. Actually, they won't come and tell me. They'll send, no. me, they'll send me an email. There you afterwards. go. They'll send you. They'll send you a fax. Um, send but, you a fax. You know, <laughs> You, you'd think that I've, I've been telling them that uh, listing out the members of their family that have died yeah, by their faces. Um, so there's a difference in that. And something I've realised is what you see on stage isn't necessarily what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. Um, no. Yeah, one, one of the biggest things that really used to throw me off kilter in the first couple of years mm -hmm. was when I would see audience members talking to each other or looking at their phone or giggling. Yeah. And I, I, I would feel like, Oh shit, are they, are they talking about me? That's right, yeah, are they exactly. laughing at me? Yeah. That wasn't a joke. Yeah. Um, but actually, <laughs> they have a room of a hundred. You notice the one who's yeah. distracted by his phone going off. Yeah. But it's whatever's in their world. Absolutely. No, they, I, I mean, I did a conference for, doesn't matter who they were, but they were um, forensic accountants. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure what that means. But anyway, these are probably detailed. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember there was about 250 of these uh, predominantly guys yes. in the room, all dressed in navy blue suit, white shirt, red tie, blah, 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 all just sat there like a sea of them. And I would, similar to you, I got on stage and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a comedian at all, but mm. the stories are a bit engaging and fun. Sure. And after about, oh, 20 minutes in, it was an hour and a half slot, one guy gets up and walks to the front with his phone and he doesn't smile, he's just standing there, he's videoing me, recording me, wow. sitting in front of me like this, following me around. And it's slightly off-putting when yes. a guy in a navy blue suit, white shirt, red tie does that. And I got no response at all. And I did my thing, did it bang, 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 finished on time, off we went. And uh, I got a little very polite, you know, clapping round of applause yes. for the thing. That was it. In the bar afterwards, individually, they came up to me. And the one guy who was doing the recording, he said, absolutely brilliant. Loved it. I wanted to record it because I want to show it to my kids and blah, blah, blah. Fantastic. Individually, they were great. The feedback was actually yeah. quite good. But on mass, when they're in it's collectively, 
it was like preaching to the you know to to, to a, a funeral mass. It was it's terrible. really it's really strange it's that tough. group um, the group mentality that overtakes. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm sure that the Americans egg each other on. Oh, they do. Yeah, and, they, they're great. Um, Perfect. To... And the Brits sort of look at each other. Don't, don't you bloody stand up. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> don't you make you. me stand up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting. So planning, when, when you... Um, when you look at planning a presentation, mm-hmm. um, first of all, do you plan? Yes, yes, okay. I do. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah, no, I, yes, you, I do. You, you make me feel bad. When I, when, however, when I deliver it, it has to look unplanned. I mean, sure. I think so. It's got to be spontaneous. It's got to be, in my opinion, spontaneous, energizing. Uh, I, I'll play with the audience. I'll ask them questions and that sort of thing. But it's planned, so I probably plan. Two thirds of it is not scripted but structured, sure. and one third I'll then sort of make it up on the spot, and away we go. Yeah. So yeah. it's. I, I mean, I, I don't want to disappoint you having asked me to speak later <laughs> on today. I can't wait now. Um, <laughs> however, I am probably the world's worst at planning. Okay. Um, but on the flip side, I'm going to caveat that by the fact that I would never stand up and talk about something that I don't know inside out. Yeah, of course. Yeah, so, yeah. and I think that's a golden rule, whether you plan or you don't. Yeah that you don't try to segue yourself into a subject just for stage time. Sure. Actually, no, it right. needs to be really within your sweet spot, but also the message that you deliver has to give 110% to the audience. Yeah. If it's just the same as what the, another person can deliver, there's no point delivering it. Um, so caveating what I've just said by that, <laughs> um, what, what I typically do to plan is um, I come up with a couple, you know, two or three key bullet points mm-hmm. um, so let, let's say, for example, I'm going to deconstruct a 10-minute um, a presentation I had to give at the British Franchise Association. Mm-hmm. So it was on the keynote stage. Um, so it was in front of a, you know, a good proportion of people, some quite, you know, quite heavyweights as well. You know, we were talking directors of the big banks and McDonald's and you know, some, yep. some real he- heavy hitters. Um, but I was asked to talk about personal brand. Mm-hmm. So I prepared for it mm-hmm. on um, the palm of my hand. Right, okay. Two minutes before. Okay. So right, I've got 10 minutes. What am I going to talk about? Yep. Um, well, I know I'm going to do an introduction because sure. I would always do an introduction of some sorts. Yep. And over time, your introduction becomes crafted. Mm-hmm. So that's right. But what, what are the really important things to take away? The why, the what, and the how. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yep. So I, I just scribbled those down as a, as a little reminder. The, these are the three points I need to cover. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I can, I, I, I can enjoy my time, but as long as I've covered those points... Yep. And that kind of works for me, just breaking it down into a logical format. But I know some people will go to the extent of scripting it, practicing, making sure it's on time. Yeah, no, um, that I that yeah, no, not but, to that level for I, me at least. I've found that if I script it myself, mm. um, I've tried scripting talks before. Mm. Um, so I've tried varying levels of notes. Yeah. From um, you know the, the little bullet points. Yeah. Um, right the way through to, you know, I'll be very open, um, my talk t- tonight will be a bullet point or two. Yeah, great, good, um, that's right. And it will just be, it will just be off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I've done some where it's been a page of notes, I've done some where it's been almost scripted, mm. and, and actually when you script it, you, you set, I believe you set yourself up for failure, yeah. in but if you go slightly off course, yeah, you've lost it, you've lost it, and you think, yeah. oh my God, it's a, you don't bloody care if you didn't say that yeah, because exactly. they don't know you were going to say it. Absolutely. But you've built in your own mind the story that it's got to go perfectly to script. Yeah, because I think that's it's it's a it's like a defence mechanism. I think for a lot of people, they practice mm. and practice and practice, and then what they forget is when they're practicing in the bathroom, talking to themselves in the mirror for, for half an hour. When they get on stage, they're going to double the speed. Yes. Go, blah, 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 and ten minutes they're done. 
it doesn't work that way. So pace and timing is key. Uh, for me at least. And what I have is, if somebody says to me, can I do a talk, for example? The first question I ask them is, okay, yep, love to. What do you want people to leave the room feeling, yes. not thinking, feeling as a consequence of my talk? What do you want them to take away? And they might say, well, they want to know five things I can do tomorrow in the business to do this or whatever it is. So I start from the end result and then I weave the storyboards mm. backwards. And I know that the preparation I do is when I have a, the sort of storyboard, and I always do it the night before, yes. sends Lynn bananas. She thinks I should prepare the week before, but I, I forget. I print off the, the, the notes, if I've got any notes, and I just write down the stories I'm gonna tell. Yes. Just, that's just it. Now in between those stories, I'll do a segue to somebody in the audience or something else, whatever it is. And during the talk, Lynn or somebody is holding time cards up for me at the back of the room. Brilliant. Or a clock. So I finish exactly on time. Yeah, do you play the same game as me? Oh, yeah. Try and make sure it's on the second. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And thank you very much. Clicks it down, bang, gone. It's that's amazing, isn't it? It's fun. But that's, I think that's a mark of a good mm. I hope, presenter, speaker, that they start on time, start strong, get the audience up and away they go, and they finish on time as and well. And I'm really, I'm really curious on your view on this. Um, questions and answers at the end. Um, it depends if it's mm. a because I enjoy them. But yeah, most people hate them. And I, I don't get that. I think if, if it's a a keynote and you're adding to somebody else's event, I tend to avoid them. Yes. If it's a workshop and it's sort of a, a, a sort of whatever it is, and you've got time, I love them mm. because it's a bit of a test, and then it, it, that makes me forces me to prepare and talk about the things that I know about and yes. not, don't bullshit on stage sort of thing. <laughs> but yeah, the, the questions are great because then you can really weave it back and Definitely. build a story, but I think it's fantastic. So um, something that came to mind actually when we were talking about scripting and planning, mm. which I just want to pass on, it's not something that I do, mm -hmm. uh, but it's something that the very best speaker that I know does. Mm -hmm. um, and he's not in this room, I'm sorry, Dave. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> however, he's, you know, he's paid, um, it's, it's in the five figures mm -hmm. for speaking slots. It's not quite six figures. Okay. But him five figures he actually has his notes and cue cards in his pocket really okay interesting even now wow and you know he must be uh, must be 50s 60s yeah okay. doing it as a full-time career for quite some time wow and you would imagine that he would be able to but that confidence of having the notes on him absolutely that's he what it is use them but He's, he knows they're there yeah again yeah similar thing i have my notes i put them on the table i've got to see them in front of me and the monitor screen with the next slide and I need to have my notes there. I never look at them. No. And I'm sure the, the guy you're speaking about, if he didn't have them, it's like a, it's just like a comfort blanket, yes. isn't it? It's a knotted hanky thing. Yeah. So is there so, any other comfort blankets that you use? Because I've got a couple that are going to come to mind. But yeah. I uh, yes. I would. Uh, I never wear a watch when I'm doing presenting. Okay. It, just in case you look. Because if I look, the board, the audience thinks I've got somewhere else to be. Yes. Um, comfort blanket for me is my preparation, and also I want to get on that stage and do like a sound but pace the stage yes I don't want to walk into a room I've never seen before I want to see it so that's my it. that's my comfort blanket yeah. I love to go in the room beforehand yeah. um, I love to if possible talk quite loudly in the room so yes. presenting volume yeah um, so the ideal scenario is that I go into the room and I have to talk to the sound engineer um, have you got lapel mics or hand yeah. or, or whatever it is um, on that note I always prefer lapel mics to handheld mics absolutely just in case you get a bit shaky I, I, yeah, I don't get shaky but they're yeah horrible. they're a bit grimy and some yeah. people hold them against their lips yeah they smell of garlic don't they, they as well do. the bloke before well, maybe Luxembourg <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> you'll see anyway yeah so um, so yeah I, um, I, I have I, I have a need to be in the room and just make sure everything works I like to click through my slides uh, but also another one that I do 
is I like to have myself heard within the room before presenting. Mm. Yeah. So if I'm, let's say, second or third, mm -hmm. I like to contribute, whether it's just asking a question of a speaker before yeah. or um, even if it's just for a round of introductions, mm -hmm. just so that I can, I can gauge my yeah, audio level against the room. Yeah. Um, but also, I, I guess there's an underlying thing of being heard before you're stood up. Yes. Yeah. Um, because there's a very real difference, and I think that we've all been through it, there's a very real difference between sitting down and presenting mm. and standing up and presenting. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, again, you're bearing yourself. Yeah. You know, you're, you're open. Um, you're not going to stand on stage with your arms crossed and all defensively. No. You, you are there for all to see. Yeah. And I think that by testing all of the variables before you stand up, yeah. For me, that's a really powerful thing to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. I think it's a confidence thing. I mean, one of the things you see a lot of speakers, you go to any conference, any networking event, and the guy or the gal will get up, and the first thing they'll do is go, they'll tap on the microphone and go, can you hear me at the back? Oh, and that's and it's just, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why, you should have done that hours before. It should just yes. be, you're up, you're on, bang, and you're into, into your thing. So th that sort of thing, preparation is the key, I mm. think. Uh, I always get to go know the sound guy well yes. because he can make me sound good, bad, or indifferent. Definitely. <laughs> always play the game, be nice to those guys. Um, get on stage, have a look, um, and j just yeah, have like a, a ritual to mm. go through. So mm. I've seen some music. Okay. I have 10 minutes before I go on stage to myself. I don't sure. want to be around anybody. I'm at the back. I'm just going through my notes and thoughts, see, and then that would, bang. That would actually tear me apart. Really? Okay. Yeah. It's really interesting. But okay. for me, I prefer... Um, to be in the room, to be right, present, okay. and you know, I, I would actually much rather that than okay, interesting. Uh, than being backstage and hidden away. Okay, no, I need um, to have ten minutes of solitary, silent, leave me alone, and I don't know why. I can't yes. explain it. Uh, but but what and what I've noticed is that I can circulate with it's good to circulate with the audience mm. before you get on stage. But that ten minutes I need to me, yes. um, I can get myself somehow calm, whatever it is. But when I go on stage. Um, I know, in my mind, providing the the real Dave Holland turns up, I'm okay. And it's yes. not me. It's this other person, okay. almost. Other personality, if that makes sense. So I know I've got to get myself to do a deal with myself. Okay, I'm thinking about this, blah, blah, blah. Let's make sure that the real Dave Holland turns up. I'm going to get on stage the first minute or two. I know when he's there. The audience don't even care. No. no difference. But if I know he's there and he's doing his thing... I can relax, and it's like a sort of split personality thing, I don't know, but I can relax knowing that this guy's turned up and, and he does the talk and I just watch. Wow. It's a real strange sort of thing. That, but that it really is. Yeah, perhaps um, I need some pills or injections I for this think, sort of I thing. Think maybe. You do. I, think, I think there's a name for that. <laughs> Poss possibly. Um, but what, what do you make of um, speaker gimmicks and props and so on? So I, let me um, give some context to that because it's mm -hmm. a very open wide question with perhaps yeah. no no angle yeah. i'm thinking of a speaker in particular who um i know was keynoting alongside me so we're, we're both on a keynote stage at a um a business exhibition mm -hmm. and he waited outside for 15 minutes before his talk right okay, okay. yeah um to then sprint through the exhibition hall to make it appear that he had just turned up Oh, okay. Mm, all right. Well, <laughs> um, the noise of a helicopter in the background. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> you know, he, so he, he's got a few gimmicks that he uses and, you know, others do as well. So, you know, there might be, um, you know, a certain item that they always take on stage with them or okay. there might be a certain item of clothing or, you know, what would you make a gimmick? Do you think they're a good thing, bad thing or, or indifferent? 
I think, I'm going to say indifferent, actually. I understand. I think that one of the challenges is, and I've seen you get speakers who have a keynote talk, and they do the same thing mm. every conference and whatever thing do, they do go to. Do you get bored if you've ever... I, I've tried to do that. I, do, I, I get, switch I get off. bored to myself. Yeah, exactly. I can't do it I, I, because I, I can't do this regurgitating. Where I, um, I have the Start same yawning. talk at... Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have the same talk at two, um, two conferences in a row. Yeah. And it was tweaked ever so slightly for yeah. their industry. But do you know what? If I was to be brutally honest with myself... I didn't do each audience justice. Right, okay. Um, yeah, if I had to be brutally honest with myself, I tweaked the areas that would be obvious areas to tweak, but yes, I didn't okay. really revisit each talk. Right, okay. So, so they followed, they had the same title, they yeah. followed the same theme, yep. and it was like, you know, I, I, I don't know, um, <laughs> 10 minutes in and 23 minutes in, yep. tweak it to make it industry specific. Yes. But other than that, it's the same stuff. Same thing, yeah. And I got bored out of my exactly. mind while just, presenting. Yeah. And if we, if we get bored and presenting, the audience are going to go, what the, they get really bored straight away. Because the audience, I hope, yeah. um, and certainly you know, the feedback reinforced that, the audience found it great because they hadn't heard it before. Exactly. exactly. But I got them. bored myself. That's right. The thing is, I think it's like watching a, a comedian. You know, you see a comedian tells a great joke on a Saturday night and he's got fantastic. When he does the same gig somewhere else in another town the next week, he's got to tell the same joke with the same energy, passion, enthusiasm mm. to an audience. And he's getting bored to death with it, but he carries it off. I find that quite difficult. Yes. I have to say, I find it difficult because I get bored. And so I think one of the... I, I, I can do... I have a couple of keynotes I can do, but not, nine times out of ten, the presentations and things that I do, and probably for yourself, they're all different anyway because yes. different audience, different outcomes, different things, different flavours and styles. And... I can have some fun with that. So I've probably not done the same presentation twice. Not no, exactly I, the same. I, cer I certainly wouldn't have done the same twice. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what, what I do try to do, so I have, um, I have elements of presentation. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a keynote, let's say, on the future of business, yeah. I will have elements that I can you know, drag. And I, I, I try to think about the audience... Um, you know, what's the average age of the audience? What's the average industry? Um, what will they be interested in? You know, are they are they interested in societal change? Are they interested in technological change? Are they interested in um, the impact of a change or the practicalities of a change? Mm -hmm. Are they looking for motivation or are they looking for um, practical how tos? Yes. And yeah. then I pick and choose the right elements yes. to to, yeah. to create the story. But yeah. often, then it's a case of well, I've got about 25 minutes of evergreen content let's right. let's work out how to bring it. and that's where the personality comes yeah exactly in. i think i think you, you we're in the uh entertainment business it's mm. got to be i think entertaining to a degree not we're not comedians not but but entertaining engaging and, and fun and i have a, a range of stories and content i can cherry pick you know so i'll have that story here that yes. one and fabricate it for my favorite sort of things and put it all together so i've told all the stories before but in different sort of contexts. yes and that's absolutely fine i think but it has to be yeah it's getting that preparation right to say here's what i'm going to do and when the audience leave they actually go not just that was great but they can take something away and go I've got something. There's one thing I can take away and I can use the next day, that sort of thing. That's mm. what I think the essence of it is. Yeah. Uh, and for me, I always look at what the audience can learn, yeah. how they feel. Yeah. And ultimately, I, I, tried, I tried to look at it as if they're speaker bookers, would they book me to exactly. speak to That's the right. most important people in their lives? Exactly right. Yeah. And you know, yeah. if you can impress them on that basis, then... Yeah. Yeah. you've done a fairly good job. Yeah. But, but coming back to your point about the you know models and artifacts and that sort of thing, gimmicks, I, I, don't, I, I do use um, 
models and gimmicks and that sort of mm. thing, but appropriate to different audiences. Yes. I mean, we've got one, we've got the workshop tomorrow that you're speaking at as well, and I've got a, I call it the um, marketing resonation, resonation frame or something, you'll see it's fantastic. Do it before I leave. Exactly, there we go, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with that, I'm going to use that, that's a bit of kit that I use. Excellent. I can do things with... Um, Lego, all sorts of things, but it has to be sort of appropriate. What I what I don't do, I don't think, is the same, same, same. I find that yes. a real struggle. I find yeah. it a real struggle. Excellent. So on that note, we are going to um, have a quick break to have a quick drink between us. Um, whilst you might have heard this as a twenty minute or so episode, um, <laughs> the reality is that we've been sat here for about an hour and a half, just um, just talking, just chatting, and that's <laughs> the whole intention of these episodes is is to give you an insight rather than interviewing an expert but actually just two blokes having a chat about this stuff you aren't experts so, on anything <laughs> <laughs> so it's been great speaking to you even though we've been speaking to each other and um, you'll no doubt hear from us in, in the next episode thank you for listening to the Carl Reader Show if you enjoyed it please subscribe and tell your friends This podcast was brought to you by our sponsor, D&T Advisory, helping you unlock the magic in your business by adding value, not numbers. Find out more at www.team-dt.com. QuickBooks, helping UK small businesses stay on top of their finances.